say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey everybody, welcome in. We have made it till Friday. The weekend beckons. So does a heavy jacket and a warm hat. Hope you're all staying uh, toasty wherever you may be. Out in the queues, Utica, Rome. Let's say playing hooky from school. Everyone's got school off today, so uh, enjoying your day off. If you have one, uh, whatever you may be up to uh, today. Glad to have you in here throughout Central New York and wherever you may want to be. Somewhere warmer on QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Winter has finally arrived. It was that darn groundhog. Cooled it off, at least for the next few days. But uh, we're here for it on a busy sporting weekend here in the Cuse. Lots to get into. Basketball tomorrow. Lacrosse season starts tomorrow. Does it? Is it lacrosse season time? Has lacrosse started yet? Has lacrosse started yet? Um, okay, maybe I will. May- maybe? Maybe means maybe, Bob. We're going to go maybe. Like, it's usually a sign of his basketball over. We're, we're still cooking with basketball, but you know what? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Uh. There is a lacrosse game tomorrow, so let's go. Let's do it, Gary. Get your two... Jim Beheim, you're more than two. All of that tomorrow. One o'clock for Lax, five o'clock for Hoops. Where can you hear it? Uh, Up your dial, down the hall, around the corner on TK99. Full coverage all day long. All day long on the radio. From the Dome for Lacrosse versus Vermont at one. uh, With uh, Tim Leonard and our first guest today, Kyle Federley. Kyle will join us at uh, 2.30 today uh, to woo our way through our Lax season preview. And uh, then we'll get into the hoops later. We'll get into the hoops now, but we'll uh, get to the hoops later tomorrow with a uh, 5 o'clock tip out in uh, Massachusetts, Chestnut Hill. Paulie's going to be driving there. Matt and Sats will, uh, you know, they'll probably fly over the top of Paulie at some point and get there faster. And that is how that's going to go. But uh, full day tomorrow, I'll be in here for our pregame coverage uh, right here on this very radio station, on this very website, on this very app, wherever you're consuming us today, 4 o'clock uh, tomorrow, getting you ready for Q's and uh, BC, second meeting between the teams uh, this year. Guest today, as mentioned, Kyle Federley, previewing uh, the lacrosse season coming up at uh, 2.30. I've talked to Kyle before, I, I do feel. we yeah. 19 years doing the games together. We've had more more than one conversation about uh, things over time. So we'll uh, we'll pick up where we left off at uh, 2.30. Mario Sacco, the six-pack. I don't want to say it's on fire yet, but on this cold day in central New York, the six-pack, two of the last three weeks. Winners, people. Winners. Heating back up. It's heating back up. And to this hour, the man that sort of knows. No football to pick this week for the man that sort of knows or Mario. What did they pick? Where did they go? What games do we have? What degenerate bets can we place this weekend? We'll get to that as we move along uh, throughout the show uh, today as well. So uh, lots to get to here on uh, this Friday. And yet, somehow, with all of that happening, games are plenty, things to watch, things to do. Things that are actually about to happen this weekend to talk about. 
somehow here we are still talking about a press conference that happened five days ago. A post-game press conference that happened five days ago has been the talk of the town all week. This is, and you know, we've beaten to death whatever you can actually say about what happened. What did Jim Beheim say? Should he said it? Why did he say it? Who did he say it to? Was he mean? Was he bullying? Was he not mean? Was he right? Was he wrong? Does it matter? Who said what? What said who? Like that, that's all been um, smushed to death at this point. What's wild though, it is, it has been the talk of Syracuse basketball this week. A press conference question after a game about somebody that did not play in the game nor and somebody that did not attend a game. And we've talked more about the question than and the response than the game, the result of the game, the aftermath of the game, and the reason the question was asked in the first place, which was about uh, the player who did not play in the game and the player who not only did not play in the game, did not attend the game. And that is not to excuse or forgive or have an opinion about what happened in the press conference. The point being that I think now, five days later, the reason there has been so much hand-wringing and conversation and bringing up again and again and again what happened on Monday night is twofold. It's because everybody here sets aside their winter for their leisure time for Syracuse basketball. And that has been the case for a very long time. Speaking on a very, very cold day, to paraphrase Coach Beheim many times over many years, that when asked about the weather in central New York, his answer is generally something to the effect of, well, most of the time it's very nice, and the rest of the year it's basketball season. And realistically, like, all right, this time of year when it is bitter cold and the whole thing, like, what does this community gather around and rally around and talk about and uh, gnash their teeth on and care about? It's Syracuse basketball. But this year, when we sit here on February the 3rd, having entered the final month now of the season, eight games to go, ACC tournament, and who knows what after that to follow, that when you have a 13 and 10 record to look at and when we still care about Syracuse basketball that much the energy has to go somewhere and it has not been this week going as much toward looking forward to the next game excitement about what's to come talking about the team, any of that, because that is not, at least right now, to the level and excitement and interest that all of us normally care about. So where are we left to direct our energy? Well, this thing happened on Monday night that we didn't like. And that's not to say anybody is right or wrong about what happened on Monday night. It's more to say that in a normal year, right or wrong, 
that not as many people would have cared about it. Because instead of 13 and 10, if this team was, I don't know, 19 and 4, and lost that game on Monday night, the teeth gnashing and hand wringing this week would have been about the loss. Or, conversely, had it been a win, it would have been celebratory about the win. But at 13 and 10, I don't want to say it doesn't matter as much. Clearly, everybody's emotional energy is still invested. But it doesn't matter as much, at least as far as where this year is going. Because I think we've gotten to the point now where we know this. I think Syracuse, barring a miracle, is not making the NCAA tournament unless they win the ACC tournament. Well, that means we got eight games here before that. Before they, what, quote-unquote matter again? That's too strong. But before they can affect, you know, like the future of what can get you excited again, what gets everybody going again. So it's all combined into just a peculiar tempest this week of everybody's emotional energy that normally goes into grinding on the wins and the losses and everything that goes into Syracuse basketball has landed on, in normal times, something that happens all the time, a question in a press conference that received... A brusker answer than one would hope. Which leads it to, if that that's what we're all caring about now, which is good on one hand and bad on the other. It is great that people care. The fact that there is still the energy and the emotion and the investment pouring into, not the game, not a dribble, not a shot, not a pass, not a turnover, not a this, not a that, but to a press conference question. That's good that people still care. But, but the fact that people have diverted their attention, at least for this week, from the on-court anything to that, that is worrisome if you are Syracuse basketball. And not because people are mad at the head coach and not because of any of that stuff. I mean, it's not ideal. But it's worrisome because does that mean fans of Syracuse basketball is this step one to losing your interest? Because the team's not winning at the level we're all accustomed. Because of all of that stuff. It's dangerous because of that. Because if we know this, and this is not just a sporting thing. This is a life thing. This is, if your favorite TV show, you know, in season 47, in season 3, in season whatever. If the last few weeks of plots were like, what are they doing? Like, if you're reading a book series and it starts getting a little squirrely. If anything, if you go to a restaurant and they screwed up the last three meals that you used to like all the time, it is way easier to lose interest in something than to regain interest in that same thing. Like if you go to a restaurant for years and years and years and you've loved it, if you have one bad meal, you're willing to write it off and you go back. If you have two, three, four, five bad meals you maybe browse around for another place to eat. And even if the restaurant fixes itself, you are less likely to go back in a hurry. Like if your favorite TV show had, you know, a great first few seasons and then you start watching it and like, what the hell is this? And you watch a few episodes, you're like, this is dumb. This is not the show I like. 
and then you don't watch the next few, and then maybe they mix it up. Maybe they get some new characters the next season. Maybe the writing staff changes. Maybe they bring back somebody from the past. But maybe season four gets right back up to standards. Well, you'll never know. Because once you're out, you're not going back. So this is a dangerous little time here, I think, for Syracuse basketball. Like right now, we can see it this week. People still care about the program. We can see it in their their emotions about what happened on Monday night. Not about the game, but what happened about the press conference after the game. It's five days later. People are still mad or whatever. It's five days later. And this is like the fourth different topic in four straight weeks where this has happened all week long. People have emotions about Syracuse basketball that is just searching for an outlet. That normally the outlet is, man, that was a great win or, oh, devastating loss. And we've kind of veered away from that this season because the great wins and or the devastating losses don't mean as much when they're not ticketing you toward or away from the NCAA tournament. So that's a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time because when, when, when it goes away, it's hard for it to come back. That's why the next month here, the next month I've been talking about it. it it's big. You need to start winning some games here if you're Syracuse basketball. For a lot of reasons. Are you going to get in at large to the tournament? No. You know, unless you rip off a crazy streak here. But, you know, normal circumstance. Say the, se- the rest of the season plays out normally. The Orange win their fair share, lose a few. You know, whatever the record. Eight games left. They're 13-10 and 10 right now. So they go 5-3. and three. I don't know. So they're 18 and... Math is hard sometimes. 18 and 13 going to the tournament with, you know, no... Le- real wins to hang your head on. Like, that's not big news, but at least it sets you up. It keeps people involved. So I think that's what this Syracuse basketball team has to do right now. They need to steer the conversation back onto the court because we have weaved it all over the place for the last month. Which bench should Judah Minch be sitting on? Which schools should Joe Girard be attending on? Why is Jim Beheim doing what at a press conference? And it is great. It is great that everyone cares about that. I don't want to say it's not. It's great that people still care about it. But it is dangerous if you are Syracuse basketball that that is what is being cared about right now as opposed to what is happening on the actual court they are playing on. With that, we'll take a break. We'll try to shift the attention back to the actual court they're playing on next. Is that allowed? I don't know. Well, here's some of Jim Beheim from his... uh This is the 315 with Brian Higgins. This is the 315. I am Brian Higgins. We are rolling along. Stay safe out there, people. The word is the roads are bad. Traffic on the twos. The word is it is cold outside, weather on the twos. So, you know, wear a heavy coat. Put on your hat. Put on your gloves. Drive slow. Or just stay home. Stay home. Fire up QSportsDuck.com and we'll take you through the rest of your day. How about that? Acts to follow, new house at night. You don't even you don't even get off your couch till late. There you go. There's your day. That is the rest of your day. But right now, it's time just for a little bit of news and a little bit of stuff and uh, a, a chance. Do we have a chance to make fun of the Dukies? We do. We must take it. Here's the four one one. Hello and welcome to Movie Fun. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one. <laughs> Oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. And so you're going to be doing that all week, right? Nah. Oh, yeah. 
It's time for the 411 in the 315. All right, here's what's going on. Duke is going on, and Duke is going on in just comically, like, what are we doing ways? First off, this just uh, dropped, and it's being reported by all the people that uh, report these things when it comes to the NBA. Uh, Woj, Shams, anybody else that's got a cool, cool little one-syllable name. They're all they're all saying it. Kyrie Irving has demanded a trade. <laughs> Again with this, people are sick and tired of us talking about the Bayheim press conference all week. Like is, Kyrie Irving has been demanding a trade for like the last seventy-eight years. Just enough already. Nobody cares, Kyrie. Nobody cares. And because nobody cares about that here, we're going to move on to the other thing that I had planned on making fun about the Dukies about because the Dukies have provided multiple opportunities to poke the fun today. So, uh, Duke women's basketball played Florida State women's basketball on Sunday in Tallahassee. FSU won the game. It's like 70-57, something like that. Uh, they essentially they had a, a, a medium-sized lead like that the whole game, and they won. I really like FSU this year. I, they're the surprise program in the league. Uh, Brooke Wyckoff doing a great job in her first year as full-time head coach. That is not the story. So that was Sunday. On Monday, nothing happened. On Tuesday, nothing happened. On Wednesday, nothing happened. Yesterday is Thursday. ACC women's basketball plays on Sunday and Thursday for the most part. So last night, Duke played Pittsburgh. <laughs> if you want a god-awful game, the final score was like 50-43 to 43 or something horrible. Duke won. Woohoo. After the game, post-game press conference, Carol Lawson starts yammering about yada, yada, yada. Sunday in Tallahassee, in the first half of the game, it was played with a men's basketball, not a women's basketball, and then they changed it at halftime. What? Now, for those that don't know, there are, the men and women in college basketball do play with different balls. The women's ball is both uh, slightly smaller and slightly lighter uh, than the men's. I've you know been around both programs, picked up them before, and you can, you know, if you have one in your hands, you are reasonably likely to notice the difference if you are uninitiated to it. And I would assume if you're used to playing with it like literally every day all the time, you're absolutely going to notice the difference around about 100% of the time, every time. So Carol Lawson is whining about this last night. Which today, Florida State's like, yeah, what are you talking about? And the ACC sent out a... Uh, sent out a press release that was just basically, you know, if they had just written, hey, Kara, shut up, it probably would have come across uh, come across uh, nicer. But they're like, yeah, we looked into it, and there's absolutely nothing to see here, and ended it with, we consider the matter closed. I like when anybody ends something with, we consider the matter closed. That basically means, your thing is nonsense, get out, goodbye. But Carol Lawson... Former ESPN analyst, I kind of enjoyed her work on ESPN, so I thought at the time. I may have to revisit that and change my mind. But she's now in her third year as Duke's head coach, and it was a hailed arrival. Oh, here comes Kara. Duke's going to be the best team in the country by next week. Well, year one, now this is the COVID year. This is 2020-21. It was a screwy year for everybody, admittedly. Well, Duke made it through three whole games, four. Uh, they had a couple of weak non-conference blowouts early in the season. Then they ran into Louisville. They got smacked by 30, and then they took their ball and went home. Ah, COVID can't play the rest of the year. 
where everybody else is like, um, what? Why not? Why, why you are more special than us? So, and then Kara went out recruiting for the whole rest of the year, even though she will say otherwise. Then last year, Duke, oh, here they come. Here they come. They're going to be the best team in the country again. Here comes Duke women's basketball. Carol Lawson to the rescue, and they were fine. Fine. They ended up on the bubble. Then they didn't make the tournament. Wah. And then you know what Duke did? They took their ball, and they went home. Hey, you want to play in the WNAT? Oh, we can't. Everyone's injured. We're too hurt. We don't have enough people. Well, you had enough people to play last week in the ACC tournament where you don't have enough people now. Like you had a, you were waiting on the NCAA tournament. You were going to be good for the, you're, no, no, you're out. Okay. And now this, she is the coach who cried wolf. It's to the point that maybe FSU did screw up, but you know what? I don't care because nobody cares what she has to say anymore because it is all so ridiculous all of the time and made even better that it is coming out of just the whininess that so often is Duke. Enough already. Enough with it. Kyrie, Kara, we don't care anymore. We don't. Men's ball, women's ball. You know what happened in the first half of the game where they supposedly played with the men's ball at Florida State that I guarantee you if they did, every single player on the court would have noticed on every single dribble and shot. You know what happened in the first half? They were trailing. You know what happened in the second half? The deficit grew bigger. Florida State beat them. First half, Florida State beat them. Basically the same in the second half. And then they took their ball, and they went home. Now that's a little look in the 4-1 and the 3-1-5, where if we have a chance to make fun of the Dukies, gosh darn it, we take it. With that, we take a break. You know what I got? You know what I got in my pocket? You're going to need coats and hats and gloves and stuff to take advantage of this tomorrow, because it's going to be cold but not where you'll be going when you get there. I have two tickets to the men's lacrosse game tomorrow. I have a trivia question to ask you to get you two tickets to the cross game tomorrow. And I will say this. If you listen to this show from the very beginning every day or any day, if you listen to this show, you have already heard the answer to this question on the show. Question, tickets, lacrosse trivia when we come back. Phone lines open, 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Two tickets, lacrosse versus Vermont, season opener tomorrow. We give them away when we come back after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. All across central New York, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. All right, it's 3.35 on a Friday, and I've got men's lacrosse tickets to give away to the game tomorrow. We got trivia, we got tickets. Let's see if we can marry the two things together and uh, give these tickets away. Let's see if we can do it. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Drew is here looking for tickets to the game uh, tomorrow. Drew, are you ready for some uh, lacrosse trivia to try to win some tickets uh, for tomorrow? I'm going to give it a try. Okay, Drew. So, uh, as we know, there's a new number 22 making his debut for the Orange tomorrow named Joey Spilina. Who was wearing 22 the last time Syracuse won the national championship? 
Jordan Evans. Uh, it was not Jordan Evans. He was a 22, but a good guess there, Drew. It was not Jordan Evans. Thanks for the call. So uh, let's uh, let's get some more callers out there. 315-437-7644. Who was wearing 22 the last time Syracuse lacrosse won the national championship? If you listen to the show, and we all know you are loyal listeners out there, and you listen tip to tail every day, you hear every word, every second of this thing from the open to the final breath of the last commercial, you have heard his name today, and you've heard his name every day, because that very call is in the open of the show. Hmm. Hmm. 315-437-7644. Trivia tickets, lacrosse game tomorrow. Ring it up. Paulie is sitting there by the phone just waiting to answer and uh, talk to you all. But the uh, the opener is tomorrow. It's good to chat with uh, Kyle Fetterly, uh, last hour to the last uh, 19 years of these games with Kyle. He'll be with Tim Leonard at the Dome tomorrow uh, over on uh, TK. Uh, pre-game starting at 1230, and they'll have the call of the game at 1 Cusin, Vermont. And as Kyle said, this will be uh, the one interesting thing. Like Vermont, well, whatever Vermont is, they're good in their league. They've played the Orange okay at times during the past, but they have an excellent face-off guy in Tommy Burke. And of a team of unproven commodities, this year's Syracuse lacrosse team, the most unproven thing of it all is their face-off spot. Like, who even is the orange face-off person this year? Uh, huh. Yeah, that's that question is the most unanswered thing um, we got. That question is the most unanswered thing we got um, right now. Again, 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Trivia tickets game tomorrow. Who was the last 22 in the Orange won the national championship? Who was he? He was kind of very involved in the actual winning of it and the way the game ended. But really excited to see this year's 22. And, you know, talk to Kyle. Rick Beardsley's been on uh, these airwaves a lot the last couple of days. Um, talking, you know, a year, two years ago, a lot to Paul Carcaterra whenever we run into him. We'll get Paul on the show at uh, some point here in the next uh, little bit, I'm sure. Like talking to all these types, all of these types that are involved in the game, involved in paying attention to high school recruits and how they come up through college. Like there there are number one recruits and there are number one recruits. Like every recruiting class has to have a number one guy. That's how it works. Not every class has like a generational guy. What people think is that Joey's that guy. We'll see. It's a lot of pressure to have landed on him before he's ever set foot on the field, but it starts for him tomorrow at 1 o'clock. All right, let's uh, go back to the phone lines. Uh, Josh is with us, ready to win some tickets uh, to the game tomorrow. All right, Josh, here's our question. Who was wearing 22 the last time Syracuse lacrosse won the national championship? How we doing, guys? There would be one Cody Jameson. Um, that is a close but no cigar. Cody was very involved in the play. He scored the game-winning goal. He was wearing 43 at the time. He put on 22 uh, next year. That is a very good guess, Josh, uh, but not the correct answer. Thank you for the call. But, um, uh, you know, Cody wore 22 the next year, and he got a pass from 22 to win the national championship. Let's see if people can put this together. Uh, Stu is with us now. Uh, Stu, our question, uh, who was wearing number 22 the last time Syracuse lacrosse won the national championship? Uh, how about Dan Hardy? How about Dan Hardy, Stu? That is the correct answer. He had the game-winning assist to not yet 22, Cody Jamison, to win the national championship back in 2009. Stu, congratulations. Uh, hang on the line, Paulie. I'll get your info, and you're going to the game tomorrow. Congratulations. Oh, 
Okay, thanks. Super. That is Stu. So um, uh, Josh had uh, the right line of thinking there. I was wondering. It was a little bit of a trick question. Uh, Cody wore 22 the next year. It was Dan Hardy wearing 22 for the last uh, two times that Syracuse won the national championship, both in uh, 2008 versus Johns Hopkins and then 2009 in the just pandemonium finish against uh, Cornell. So Dan Hardy is the answer of the last 22 uh, to win a national championship. Uh, Cody's worn 22 since then uh, for the year. JoJo Morasco followed up. JoJo's last game was in the national championship game wearing 22 in uh, 2013, the loss uh, to Duke. Jordan Evans, uh, he wore the 22 and never got it done, never made it to championship weekend. And then uh, the less we say about uh, Chase Scanlon's time in 22, I think the better for all of us. But now here's Joey Spelina, and he's got a chance. Is Syracuse going to win the national title this year? You know, that used to be the expectations year in, year out, regardless. And it still is, you know, in the general theory of Syracuse lacrosse, but it's not really this year. Like Maryland, Virginia, you know, Notre Dame, Georgetown's making a mix. They got a stacked team with Tucker Dordovic and the crew they got. Like, there's a lot of really talented teams. Take anybody from the ACC and throw them into the hat. You look at the talent of the Orange roster, yeah, very talented, very young, very young. And traditionally, anyway, teams whose primary talent is very young like this have uh, not actually won the title that year. Think back to, you know, 2008, the Orange won with a lot of freshmen. That was John Galloway's freshman year, but they also had a strong senior class in Mike Lavelle and all of those, and then a strong senior class the next year with Dan Hardy and Pat Parrott and Kenny Nims and that whole crew. Uh, this year's senior class, like it's unknown, really. Like the, the success just hasn't been there, the coaching turnover, the whole thing. So this year is a team where the names we know primarily are the freshmen, which is very unusual when you look at teams that have had the great success. But coming off the 4-10 and ten year last year, coming off the most losses in program history, let's get it back on track. This year is about getting the train back on the track and then seeing where it goes from it. Seeing where it goes from here. That said, a Syracuse lacrosse team never arrives at a season with a different goal. That has been the case essentially every year going back to 83 when they won the first one. So looking forward to the lacrosse season starting tomorrow. That will be at 1 o'clock uh, in the Dome. At 5 o'clock in Chestnut Hill, the basketball team is back in action. And, you know, must-win game, all this stuff. But Syracuse and B.C., and the Orange have not had issues with BC in a very long time. BC, I think, is beginning under Coach Grant to trend in the right direction, which is something that BC really hasn't done since they fired Al Skinner more than a decade ago. They're at least trending in the right direction. Now, what does that mean for tomorrow or anything? I don't know. But they're coming off their best win in a while, having beaten Clemson earlier this week. The game of the Dome, it was won by 14 by the Orange back on New Year's Eve afternoon. But that that's a different world in a lot of reasons. Like, BC's playing better now for sure. On that day, Joe Girard, as he always does against BC, had a big day at 24 points. And here's where it all ties together, huh? You know who was, in many ways, the most important player for Syracuse on that day? And I get it, Girard led the team in scoring, and he was great. But the guy... And the game was close at halftime. The guy who had a big second half that really sealed things for the Orange back that day was none other 
than Benny Williams. The guy who was the topic of the question that started this whole week that we've just had. Which leads us back to Benny. Actual Benny Williams. Benny, who took the personal day on Monday. Poorly communicated, sure. But assuming that's all it was. And again, we're assuming. We've not heard from Benny. Jim Beheim's alluded to it kind of a little bit. That You know, the guy lost his starting job a week ago tomorrow. I don't know when he found out that he lost his starting job. But a week ago tomorrow on the road in Blacksburg was day one this season of when healthy, Benny didn't start. The one previous game at Virginia, he was out sick and didn't play. Personal day Monday doesn't attend the game. However, the order of operations and notification of Benny to the coaches and all that went down, we don't know. We may never know. And we may not need to go. But, as Coach did say after the game, after all of the this and that and the question and this and the other thing, the actual answer to the actually asked question on Monday was something to the effect of Benny took a personal day. Benny will be back at practice on Wednesday. Well, Benny was at practice on Wednesday. Benny was at practice yesterday. And presumably, as we talk right now, Benny is getting ready to get on the bus with the team to go to the airport to go to Boston. And then playing the game tomorrow. Presumably, Malik Brown will start, and then Benny will come off the bench. But Benny's best game of the year was 16 points and 11 rebounds against Boston College back on December 31st in the afternoon in the Dome. So, if he is going to be able to assert himself positively on the rest of the season, what better opportunity than the first game back in the mix after missing Monday to be against the team that you played the best against all season. What better opportunity could there be for Benny Williams to get back on the court against this Boston College team against whom he played great? Played great. That was his best game of the year. He was outstanding. He was everything on that day that Coach Bayheim has wanted him to be all season long. So what better opportunity does Benny have than this to get back out there tomorrow against Boston College at 5 o'clock in Connie Forum, maybe not quite at 5, coming off the bench, maybe stays in the game at, I don't know, 5-10, 5-12, pick a time, whatever. What better opportunity for Benny to get himself back in the mix, back in the good graces, than to go out tomorrow and maybe in fewer minutes than the other time, Just do what you did against BC the first time around. At least from this whole conversation we've had about Benny and all of this stuff all week long, that really the conversation's not been about Benny at all. But what better opportunity for it to come full circle here and to get Benny back in the good graces, back in the rotation, and hopefully for Syracuse's sake, and when we talk the actual basketball of all of this, hopefully for Syracuse's sake, actually playing well. What better opportunity than to do it against the team that you played best against previously this season? We'll keep our eye on that uh, tomorrow. And you know, wishing the best for Benny. We want all these guys to succeed. Who knows what actually happened on Monday, why he didn't play, all of that stuff we haven't heard. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But hopefully he's past that and uh, ready to roll uh, tomorrow. With that, we'll take our final break. We'll come back after this, tell you what's on tap for the weekend as we wrap up our week and our show today on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.